Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a beautiful sunshine, crisp and clear morning. For the opportunity to gather together in your house. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of this week. All too often we pass by those and look for the things that don't go well. And Lord, for those things in our life that haven't been good, we ask that you come alongside, enter in, and that we would trust with faith like a child that you will take care of our needs. Lord, we look at your word this morning. We thank you for the Psalms of David. We thank you for his ability to put on paper what he was feeling in his heart. And Lord, as we read it, may it enter our hearts as well. Help us to understand David's thoughts and his direction. In your name we pray. Amen. Today's uh, passage is Psalm 54. And I don't know, I was thinking about this this week as I was reading this. I, I kind of laugh if you, if you read a lot of the top of the, some of the David Psalms, just like, while he was on the run, did he stop and like pen this <laughs> and then keep on running? Whether that, it was that or his, a journal or he was just a poet that shared all of his feelings uh, through, um, through the Psalms, either way, it's It's powerful. There's some similarities to last week to Psalm 13's passage as well. Psalm 54, save me, God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. And I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all my troubles. And my eyes have looked in triumph over my foes. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you for your word, for your reminder that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, even in the dark of the night, that morning will come again. The sun will rise there'll be another day. Thank you in those dark times that we can look towards you, that we can lean on you and be held by you. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lauren, I know. Lauren... Nobody else has me figured out. Lauren does. 
Can't help but love that, huh? Have you ever been in a place so dark, so cold, so broken, that you wondered if life was even worth living? Have you ever been in a spot that there felt like there was no hope? Like, what is this all about? Have you ever been that spot of despair? Where the difference between living and dying isn't very far apart. I can remember leaving a hospital one time. In tears, broken. Wanting to give up. And in the rearview mirror was the sun. And the sun was coming up. And in that moment of utter despair, in that moment of utter hopelessness, in that moment that I just felt like giving up, I couldn't help but see the sun rising in the rearview mirror. There was still hope to be had. And the scripture came to mind that the sun would again rise. I'd be willing to bet that all of us have had those moments where our life just feels like it's spinning out of control. That we wonder why God has put us in this place or left us in this place or why this, this situation was allowed to happen. We hold our hands in our head or our head in our hands the other way around. Wondering how we'll take the next step. For some, it's the loss of a loved one. That feeling of emptiness and o that overwhelming sense that everything in the world is wrong. For some, it's a loss of a relationship, brokenness with a spouse or a child or a parent. We're a situation at our job that is so overwhelming we no longer can handle. Or like Dave's situation. Dave and I were talking this morning. Dave said, I think this sermon might be for me. I told him I, I didn't. I picked it before he went to the doctor, so that's on him. <laughs> he needs to deal with God and him. <laughs> But the, the reality is, from what Dave and I were talking, this is, there's no easy out. There's no easy plan in Dave's uh, surgery or not surgery. And he, 
He said, I don't know which way I got to go, but I got a couple weeks to figure it out. And I said, and we talked about, take this to God, right? And Dave said, I feel like this sermon's going to be for me. Well, Dave, if it's for you, that's good, right? So this psalm, if you, if you read much of the psalms, some of them have, I told you last week, some of them <coughs> at the top have nothing. They just say a psalm of David. Some of them have a preface, uh, something that's going on in David's life, and this is when he wrote it. I want to give you a little bit of backstory, a little, uh, little understanding of what's going on in David's life when he writes this, because I think it makes a difference uh, in the way we see how he, re- how he writes what he writes. You may remember that in Psalm, uh, in 1 Samuel 1, uh, 16, Samuel anoints David as the king. Do you remember that? Saul is then is being pushed aside. David is being uh, given the kingship, but it's not instantly. But he's, but Saul says, "Do you remember that story where uh, he brings out all the kids? He brings out all the boys. He doesn't even bring David, right? Because he's the he's the runt. He's the last of the litter." He's like, how about this one, Samuel? Nope. How about this one, Samuel? Nope. How about, th- how about this one? Nope, nope, nope. They go through all the brothers. They got no more brothers. So Samuel's, Samuel's like, got any more kids? <laughs> oh, I got one more, but he's, uh, he's, he's working. <laughs> he's so low on the pole, we didn't even bring him. We'll call him, bring him. And Samuel anoints David the king. It's also the passage where he's called ruddy. If you haven't read that part. It's Samuel, 1 Samuel like 16 to 24 is kind of where we're at today, that, that whole chunk of. And so he goes and he's appointed the king over God's people. But things don't go like he wants them to go. Or he thinks they might go. See, Saul isn't all that excited that there's a new king in town. Saul wants to be the the boss. And Saul starts to press. He says, I don't care what Samuel said. (laughs) I'm still the king. And so if you read through 1 Samuel 20 and through 23, you find out that David is on the run. So let's just say the castle the kingship is over there. Saul gets between him, between uh, the kingship and David, and he starts to press. He starts to chase him from Nob to Gath to Adullam to Mizpah to Keilah. He just keeps chasing him further and further and further away from his rightful kingship. And if you read some of those stories, you'll find out over and over, Saul is after him not to have lunch with him. That's not the plan. They, lived in a, they, they didn't vote on these things back then. They dealt with it with uh, life and death. His, his plan all along was, I will kill you. I'm, I'm going to get you. You better get away. If I see you, you're dead. And so Samuel, or uh, so Saul is going after David, pushing him further and further and further out. And there's a lot of story in there. It's a great stories that I would, I would encourage you uh, to read. 
David finally gets to a spot where Saul doesn't know where he's at. It says in Scripture, David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him. But God did not give David into his hands. David had found a spot. A lot of commentaries say there probably was some trees. There was some some cover of some sort in that area. And David and his men were able to hide without being uh, seen. You ever play hide and seek? Right? There are some spots that are just better. I won't rat out a few. I don't know. There are adults probably now. But there's a spot in this church that you could hide for uh, 10 years and no one would ever find you. I can't tell you where it's at because it's a big secret. But we know those spots, right? We used to, we used to play wolf. We would play wolf, though. That was, that was a different version of it, but same idea, hide and seek for teenagers. And when we have a good spot, we hide, we stay there, right? And so if you read the scripture, you see that David is there, and he's like kind of like hanging out. He's like kind of, yeah, I think I'm going to stay here because it's safe. Saul doesn't know where I'm at. I can do life. I don't have to deal with um, being chased down and being killed. So they're just kind of hanging out. Uh, the commentators say that there very well may have been uh, wild animals to hunt there. There were, there were resources in that spot that they would have had uh, use of. And so that was a good place to hide. There's only one problem. And see, now David was just hanging out, holding back, trying to like be safe. Kind of like, all right, I'm going to stay here. But the Ziphites, they live in the desert of the Ziph, right? Somewhere around there. They went up to Saul. And they said, hey, isn't David hiding uh, in the strongholds of Horesh in the hill of Hilkiah, south of uh, Jezimon? I think that's where he's at. Isn't, isn't David hiding out behind the parking lot, uh, right behind the barn in the orange tent? I think that's where he's at. These guys ratted him out. They even went as far as to say, whatever you want to do, just we'll hand him over to you. You can have David. You can go in there and have at it. You're not going to be a problem. You're not going to cross us any way, shape, or form. Just go behind the barn. When you see the orange tent, there's David. Take him and get out of here. The Ziphites, they ratted him out. For whatever reason, they wanted to be on Saul's good side, I assume. I assume they figured, well, he's the king and we'll do what we can to keep on his good side. And so in the midst of all of this, what's going on in David's life, he writes this psalm. Has anybody ran for your life? Has anybody ever had to run for your life? Probably not something we want to raise our hand for, right? But just think about it for a moment. If you're running for your life, And the king, with all his resources, and all the time and energy, and everything he had to offer, 
is coming after you. It's not going to be a good day. Do you ever feel like David? Do you ever feel like life has gotten so overwhelming, so big, so massive, that I don't even know how to respond? I don't even know which way to turn. I'm not sure which step to take to get out of this pit. Let me ask you, how do you respond in those situations? When there's nowhere else to turn. Challenging. Well, today's sermon is going to be in some a repeat of last week. Not because I stole my notes from last week. Because David responds in much a similar way as he did last week. He responds in a similar way. And I think there's a pattern that we need to understand in our own life. And so it's not a repeat. It's not a repeat anyway, but it's not a repeat for repeat's sake. It's a repeat so that we can take home the peace that we need. First thing he says is, To God, he says, you know, save me, God, by your name. Vindicate me by your strength. Crawl out to God. All too often, I think we talk about talking about talking about talking to God. We tell people to pray for us and talk to God for us. We share where we're at, but never actually take it. To God, ourselves. So save me, God, by your name. Vindicate me by your strength. Let me challenge you to verbalize the struggles in your life by saying them out loud to God. I'm not asking you to come up front and to share them. But what I'm saying is in your prayer time, in the car by yourself time, in your basement by yourself time, wherever that is, verbally express to God your real feelings. I think all too often, and it's the piece in the Psalms that I love the most, all too often we feel like God doesn't have time for my problems. God doesn't have time to listen to my junk. There are people who are in a whole lot worse position this morning than me. David says, call out to God. Tell him what's going on in your life. Share with him your real feelings. If you're a journaler, journal them. And I dare you to read them out loud. I dare you. It sounds so simple, right? It's like, well, that's the simplest thing ever. Trust me. Try it. If you want God to hear you, and you want to get that out, and you want to share your real feelings, then express them openly. 
cry out to God. Some of the most powerful prayer experiences have been in those moments, and I remember them, those moments of utter despair. There was no pomp, there was no circumstance, there was no donuts and coffee afterwards. It wasn't breakfast time. It was, we got a a serious issue. Meet me at the church at whatever time. And let's go to the altar and pray. Let's cry out to God and ask him to work in our life. To work in this situation. When my wife was sick, I went to, to the church we used to go to. I will never forget that day. We got our hands and knees. Three or four men, just a couple men. I, don't, I know, I think one or two of the guys I remember. There's probably one or two I don't remember even. It was a matter of just getting on our hands and knees and crying out to God. Asking God to work in a situation that we no longer had any, we had no ability to change. And I can remember saying about two words, and then my voice started to crack. And when my voice cracked, I stopped. You know how that works, right? I don't want to say, there's going to be, if I say any more, there's going to be tears. And in the process of that, that opportunity to call out to God, Not only cracked, started to sob. And I learned a valuable lesson in that moment of calling out to God. That although I couldn't fix anything, He could. It started a, a habit that I did for about a year. And I'll dare you to try it. Take Psalm 40. Pray that psalm in the midst of the darkest, hardest moments of your life. Here's how it starts. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the mud and mire and set my feet upon a stone so that many will know and hear that he is God. Now, that's a little bit of my paraphrase, but that's the way I see it. That's the way I learned it. Take that, take that psalm. Call out to God. Point it towards prayer. He says, hear my prayer, God. Open your ears to the words of my mouth. Find someone who you trust, who has your back, and spend a moment in prayer. Spend time not with all the extras, but rather just taking it to God and wherever that leads. David's in the middle of nowhere on a rock, knowing full well that Saul's about to come after him. And he takes the time to cry out to God. And to pray to him that he would hear his words. Then there's an interesting piece in this passage. Probably the most interesting piece to me. And then he offers a free will offering, it says. 
or a sacrifice. In his moment of struggle, in his moment of trial, in, in his moment of despair, he makes a choice. In the moment that he's struggling the most, he makes a choice that's opposite what you might think he would make. He gives a free will offering. He gives something away. This is not an offering for a sin that he had done and was asking repentance for. But rather this was, thank you Lord for being my God. Thank you for delivering me from my troubles. Thank you for giving me triumph over my foes. As he's out looking over the hill waiting for someone to come get him. I wonder how often when we're in the darkest times of our life, we're more than willing to give God his due. I would say that normally we're doing the opposite, right? When we're in our depths of despair, when we're struggling the most, we're not given to God, we're taken from God. We're like, God, you need to hear me. See, because for us, we don't know what right from wrong is. We're not good as humans in understanding how God works. There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about there's a way that seems right to man. There's a way that seems right to us. We think we have it figured out. And guess where it leads? The scripture says it leads to death. All that being said, don't trust your instinct. Don't trust your gut. Trust God. If you're afraid of where God is working in your life, let go of it and let him see, let's see what he can do with it. If you're afraid of your finances and how you'll ever make it, I dare you, I dare you to offer them to God. Just so you know, I'm not saying put it in the offering. I'm saying let God use it some way. How about your children? If you're terrified how your children are going to turn out, will they be good? Will they be good humans? Will they be good people? Will they follow God? Will they do the things that I'm going to teach them? Do what Hannah did in the Old Testament. Give them to God. If you have a business and you want it to honor God, then run it like God would run it. See, this has become my litmus test in my own life. If I think it's right, it's probably not. Right? If I'm feeling like, yep, that's the way I need to go, then you know what? I need to go that way the other way. Because if I'm feeling it, it's a good chance God's not there. 
If I'm feeling out of control, what do I want to do? Grab it even tighter, right? I want to hold tighter to it. And God says, give it to me. Let me deal with it. Let me take care of the problem for you. The silliest part of this whole thing is that when we watch him do that, right? We, watch, we step out in faith and we watch God work and we're like, holy cow, that really worked. That's pretty cool. But I don't want to try it again. I mean, that's probably just, I just won the lottery this time, right? I won the God lottery and he showed up and he fixed it and now... There's one thing about David's life, and I, I, David has some issues in Scripture, and I, I appreciate it, but I really do connect to David, and that he put it all out there. Sometimes he put it all out there and messed it up. But he put it all out there. He cried out to God when he needed him to work in his life. He also understood that God was the only person, the only place he could go. He might have been strong and powerful and could have easily allowed his ego to get in the way, right? David, you killed your 10,000. But he took it to God. I don't know if you noticed um, the foreshadowing, if you're a, if you like literature or any, but if you didn't notice this, I, I just want to. This is like a side note. This is extra. David, of course, Jesus is in the Davidic line, David's line uh, genealogy, and you see David here being doing the right thing and being attacked by the wrong people. Does that sound familiar? Right, we're working our way towards Easter. Right? And David here foreshadows Jesus in centuries and centuries and centuries to come. And it brings up a point that I want to share with you this morning. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through the blood of Jesus. That's not what Dan says, because I wouldn't trust what Dan says either, but it is what God says. Right? That's what God says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. For some in this world, that's a bold statement. An arrogant statement. But the reality is, it's just the truth. There's one way to get to God. That's through Jesus, his son. I want to end this morning with a little bit different twist. Rather than a prayer, I want to end with a song. It's on a video, so don't stress. <laughs> the song may sound a bit familiar this morning. And I got to ask myself, when I thought about this song and about this sermon, I said, if David was here in 2022, two, don't let me forget, Connie. <laughs> Two. <laughs> that he might have wrote a song, a psalm similar to this song.
Every time I try to make it on mine Every time I try to stand start to fall And all those lonely roads that I traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the way, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Blessing in the broken. We thank you for that blessing. But as broken people, we come to you knowing full well that you are there. You're the only 
constant in the battle. Lord, for those who are broken this morning, who need to lay it at the altar, I pray that you would strengthen them to make that effort, that step. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers our sin. In your name we pray. Amen.